and Condon. Ken Miller. Trent Condon. Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. All right, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Miller and Condon on a Thursday. Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO. Trent Condon, Ken Miller. To talk sports with you for the next couple of hours. Thanks for uh, tuning in here this morning. Uh, here's what's coming up on the BMW of Des Moines guest list in the first hour of the program, bottom of this hour, 10.30, David Eicholt on the Hawkeyes. Uh, get the latest. Uh, of course, he was part of that media scrum. We will get uh, his takeaways. we got John Bowen Camps uh, a couple of days ago. Today, David Eicholt will opine on what he heard. At 11.05, we'll go to Dallas, where Chris Williams is at Big 12 Media Days. This will precede Matt Campbell's uh, appearance on the stage. I think the Iowa State head coach goes at 11.35, so we'll uh, pick Chris's brain, what he heard from the commissioner, the commissioner in waiting, uh, etc., uh, and some of the uh, coaches and players that have, uh, well, up until he joins us, uh, see what he's heard and learned and speculating about uh, from Dallas Big 12 Media Days. Chris Williams, Cyclone Fanatics, and here, of course, KXNO, will join us at 11.05. Uh, and then we're going to talk some football uh, with uh, Nick Athen on those Kansas City Chiefs. A lot of uh, sports operators are putting out their odds to win the division, etc. Are the Chiefs a cinch? I'm not sure they are. We'll pick uh, Nick's brain on that. I'm sure he's got a question or an opinion, rather, or two on the Big 12 as well as he follows that pretty closely. Uh, he's still convinced Kansas is not going to get a chance this uh, this time around, but he thinks that's what ultimately they'll end up at some point. I'm not so sure. I wonder if he golfs in the same circles as John Miller. Maybe that's the... Uh, oh, is, does John feel the same way? Well, that's that was last year, last summer. Okay. When everybody was saying that was going to be the end game, and I tried to tell them they're wrong. John lives in uh, in that area. Oh, he does. He had great seats for the Royals game. Him and his daughter the other night. Did you see that? Yeah, right. Uh, second row right behind the Tigers dugout. Good for John Miller, yes. L- living life uh, with his daughter. So good for him. So we got to have him on at some point. During, That's a good call. Uh, uh, during the build-up to football. So yesterday, of course, the British Open is going on. Um, baseball was crazy yesterday. I couldn't find the Twins and the uh, Brewers for the life of me. <laughs> and uh, you still didn't know about it until this morning. I had no idea. Talking. I had no idea. I, and I went. I thought, yeah, the perfect way to spend the afternoon. Mm-hmm. And it would have been a fun way to watch, especially the way it turned out uh, in dramatic fashion. Uh, as hater, boy, he's had those moments this year. Every once in a while, right? Uh-huh. And then he, but he writes himself very quickly too. Even if he has a couple of shaky performances in a row, you don't feel like it's going to last, and he gets no. right back to the same guy. But Miranda got one over the plate, and he demolished. Did it. he? I didn't see the home run, so he wasn't cheated at all. This oh, was no. A, no doubt about this it. This wasn't into the first row of the <laughs> left field bleachers. No, this was into the second deck. Wow. It was crushed. Three run bomb as the Twins walk it off. But yeah, it wasn't. No Bally Sports North or right. Bally Sports Wisconsin or FS1 or MLB mm-hmm. Network or ESPN. No, this was the YouTube game of the week. There, there's so many different outlets. So I settled on the Braves uh, and the Mets in the afternoon. It's a great list. You know, I've told you a million times how much mm-hmm. I like the Mets broadcast, uh, but that wasn't much of a game as well. I thought the Cardinals were about to uh, put one in the win column. We'll get to that in a second. That didn't go well. I watched last night, and I couldn't have been in. I, I picked the right game to watch. I watched the White Sox and the Guardians. And by the way, how old is Steve Stone? Steve Stone is 72. 
He's 75 today. Oh, 75 today. I was 75 close. years old. I wouldn't. That wouldn't get me a point, though, in Murph and Andy guessing his birthday. I don't know you the You got to be within two years. Do you have to I be? Missed it. I missed it by three. How many more birthdays? I mean, they've been doing this for a long time. <laughs> right, exactly. Haven't they run out of people to, to they're, guess? They're, they're I mean, doesn't the audience have these memorized? Because they're loyal. A year later, you kind of forget. Right. How old is that guy? Yeah. Wait, I should know this. Right. Uh, anyways, uh, but yes, Steve Stone, 75 years old today, and still, and we talked about it yesterday, mm-hmm. Um, you learned the game listening yes. to Steve Stone, or one of them, certainly. One of the influences on your sporting uh, life growing up. And, and still so good. I mean, so good. Cy Young, when did he win Cy Young? 72, 73? Old, yeah. Early 70s with the, with, with the Orioles. Uh, but I was, I mean, I guess he's 75, right? If you're pitching the majors in the 70s. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, you're in your 20s at that point, and... We all getting older, but uh, good for him. I hope he keeps going. That's one for Cappy next week. That's a file away for Cap. Right, that's a good uh, just because uh, I'll miss him when he's gone. He's been great on the uh, both the Chicago broadcasts. The game itself was terrific. Giolito, the bullpen for the White Sox was outstanding uh, in that baseball game. Liam Hendricks comes in and shuts the door down. Uh, the White Sox now they get away as bad as it started that series in Cleveland. They get out with a split. Eloy Jimenez goes down again. Yes. What's what do you have to do with him? Is is playing in the outfield too much? Almost seems like a right, but you don't have a whole lot of flexibility with that team and the way that they're built. You know, Bray is still over there at first base, but mm-hmm. you want to DH him from time to time, get him as much rest. Maybe I it's mean, too early in the career to make him a full time DH. I think so. Isn't it? And does he hit enough? I mean, he, he, when he hits him, he, they stay hit. Absolutely. But is he either? I guess. I mean, I think so. Yeah. yeah. There's some bad DHs around mm-hmm. baseball. You can definitely live with that guy. But anymore, so many teams want that flexibility. As we, the NBA is obviously the biggest factor when it comes to load management, right? right. And, and guys taking days off seemingly whenever they want. Yeah. And then we'll get to the playoffs and then we'll be able to play. MLB is not at that level, but obviously I look at the Twins. And Byron Buxton, you don't want him at this nope. point playing center field six times a week. Nope. So you're going to DH them, and you're going to move guys around, and you're going to get guys still out there. You're still going to try to get them their 600 at-bats a year, but you're going to do it in a way where you utilize that DH. The days of Don Baylor just being your DH and you lock him mm. in for 160 games, those days are over. And because of that, you know, what is the market for? Let's say it turns out to be that, where Jimenez is just, he is a DH only. We're not even going to mess around with him in the field. At this point in his career, yeah, he might be able to hit for the next 10 or 12 years, but... Do you really want to lock yourself into that? And what, what's the price tag that would ultimately Well, he's be an adventure in left field to begin with. Yes, he is. <laughs> I mean, he he took one off his you-know-what yesterday, laying down almost as the <laughs> ball looked as though it was going to get over his head. Now, he made the play to his credit, but boy, it was anything uh, but a thing of beauty. So a good win for them yesterday. Uh, bad, bad loss for the Cardinals as they mm-hmm. had the Dodgers in a big way. So after the Guardians and the White Sox had finished things up, I didn't even bother going back to the Cardinals because I thought it was, you know, fait accompli uh, that they're going to be able to knock off these Dodgers. So I watched The Great Imposter. We talked about that the yes. other day, yeah. Um, Barry Bremen, Bremen, Bre- um, if you grew up in, if you're my age, if you're in the 50s, you probably saw this guy, the great imposter, sneaking into baseball games. Uh, he's at the Super Bowl as, a, as an umpire. Uh, or maybe as a side jump. Whatever. Uh, he's got the stripes on. He dressed up as a Dallas Cowboy cheerleader. He made his mistake. You know what it was, his final um, act was? No. That, that ended his 
almost enough's enough. He came on the stage to an accept an Emmy Award, oh, wow. and the winner was actually walking up to the stage when there he is jumping onto the stage and giving his acceptance speech. And that, not not sports, not dressing up in a Kansas City Kings uniform in an all-star game and shooting layups or uh, or doing all the other stuff that he does, shagging fly balls, etc., at all-star games in Major League Baseball. But it was when he accepted the Emmy Award. But that's not where the story ends. Yeah. And I had no idea until you told me the other day. The, what I what I was going to see. So this story in itself, in fact, it was one of the E60 shorts that they had done about this guy before. But then there's the second layer, and this and is what turns it into a hour long episode. Hour and a half. Hour and a half. Hour and a half. It went. It was. It was ninety minutes, and I had no idea about this. And you floored me when you told me that. So because I'd known about the great imposter and all the stuff he'd done, and he's on Johnny Carson, mm-hmm. who was a big name in my generation. Mine too. Mine too. Really. Yeah, Johnny. Okay. Car- yeah, um, that was big when you got to stay up late and watch Johnny. Carson. Johnny Carson, oh, of yeah. course, Letterman, and then and, and the um, the fame that came his way. I think he did Roy Firestone's show. Okay, uh, on ESPN, that was really ahead of his time. That yeah. Firestone show. Yes, it what was, was the name of it? Up close. Up close. Yes, good good memory on you. Up close with Roy Firestone. Anyways, so all of the sports stuff is one thing. Take that, frame it, put it over on one side of the paper, and then we find out. In the era that we're in, um, DNA testing is such a big part of things. And he got, or um, all of a sudden, there's a bunch of people throughout the country that are doing these DNA tests. Mm -hmm. And one of them is a, a genealogy nurse or does something like this anyway. They got on the case to try and find out who their father was. And all of a sudden, these people from th- that are taking these, what's the one called? One, two, three or something? 23 and me. 23 and me. Thank yes. you. 23 and me. One, two, three. <laughs> Add an extra one. So they're, they're taking these tests, and all of a sudden, they're all connected to somehow. They're, they're half siblings. And then they dig in to try and find out who this is because uh, Bremer, Barry, was a sperm donor. In the 60s and 70s. Was this a way to make money, did they say? They said that that was potentially part okay. of it. But what what we come to find out is back in these days, these clinics are only, well, we're supposed to only use the same donation no more than five times. Makes sense. Make, right? Yeah. And that may have been the case at that one, but then they take this sample and they send it to other clinics around the country. Oh. So you don't have a bunch of so F- siblings in, in the one same city. area. Yeah. Although there's a lot of them in Michigan. And um, the story just takes off from there. And I'm not going to spoil any more of it okay. for you. If you've got it on DVR. I do. I, I, I'll be honest with you. I'm always honest with you. I'm. I was left wanting more. Really? It's not a terrible ending by any means. It's a happy ending. Mm-hmm. It's a happy ending. I mean, everybody finds each other and they, and the, and the, and his, um, his, his family that the three kids that didn't know that dad and mom had, you know, agreed to do this in the sixties mm-hmm. and seventies. Um, it's a good ending. I'll All just right. leave it at that. Okay. Watch, watch the show. Watch the show. All right, so we're, we're watching a show. It's not the Tiger Woods show. No, not at uh, all. Unless you like car wrecks, that, that type of uh, entertainment. Boy, he's off to a terrible start, Trent. Uh, he's three over. He double bogeyed the first hole. I didn't see the first. Um, saw, his, uh, saw him on the second. We're watching uh, the USA Network without the sound, so it's kind of a little bit difficult. But what happened to his start? Uh, hit a good drive on one. 
went into a divot and then tried to chunk it up there. That didn't happen. Double bogey. Then he hits a great drive. Pars two, three. Great drive. Another great drive. Just an mm-hmm. absolute beauty. A little bit further left than they thought off the tee, but it rolled into a spot and it is dry Yes, out on this course. If you haven't seen it yet, folks. It's a beautiful shade of brown. Yes, it is. It is incredibly dry, even for their standards over there. And it just kept rolling and rolling. Had a great spot, kind of coming in at a weird angle to the pin, but it's a pitch shot. He left it 20 yards short. Yes. And then he has to have a pretty easy pitch, mm-hmm. but there's one spot you can't put it right oh, at the top of it. And what does he do? He put it there. Put it right on top. Misses the par putt coming uh, back. Bogey's uh, uh. that. So that's where we are with Tiger right now. He is three over. Your leader, we got it right, Cameron. You got the wrong camera. Oh, Cameron Young. But I think when it's all said and done, I'm not sure. So, so here's Cameron Young's story. His last six rounds of golf, he's a combined 30 over par. What? Today he goes out and shoots eight under. <laughs> At the British Open. This is a pretty solid player, too. I mean, this isn't some of the names that sometimes pop up. He's top 30 in the world. I think he's 18th this year in the PGA Tour. uh, Didn't make the cut last week at the Scottish Open. Well, look at Morikawa last year. Morikawa was brutal in that event. Said he didn't know how to put on these greens, and he goes out and wins the British Open. Right. Oh, a week later. So, and that's what he said in his interview afterwards too. Is just the experience that he got, albeit uh, you know not as long as he wanted. He only got thirty six holes out of it. But that's what he said. Putting the greens and the Lynx golf um, set him up for today. But thirty over in his last six rounds of golf and come out and do this today. I mean, my gosh, unthinkable. But Rory McIlroy was terrific, he and he's was. right on his heels. And you mentioned we both have a Cameron, we both have Cameron Smith, and he was what? I think he's five under finished his round um but the the leaderboards got a chance to be really good scotty scheffler uh Mm -hmm. in the hunt xander shoffley uh is in the hunt at least they were last time i checked bryson dechambeau is having himself a day yeah he was three under at last check he's finished three under yeah that's where he finished so he finished with the 69 him and xander they're tied for 10th right now polter's a live golf player too correct yes and he's three under so, so Liv Golf making it, and, and Lee West was on the Liv Tour. This is a pretty good leaderboard uh-huh. early on. And he's four under. You got some intriguing names. You got some names you know. You got the Liv part that really was a non-equity as it pertained to the U.S. Open. Mm-hmm. All those guys stunk that week. Not right. the case, at least early on here. So I wonder if there's more pressure coming in, for, in a lot of their cases back to their home country, knowing that mm-hmm. maybe a little bit more of the criticism may, I don't know, sink in a little, whatever. Right. Just, just back in the States. More pressure. I can buy that. Yeah, being over there, not. I mean, they're they're playing well for whatever mm-hmm. reason. They're play, they're playing well over there. So some good names at the top uh-huh. of the leaderboard. But Rory, he was excellent. And boy, when boy. he gets off to a start like this, and this is why I liked him so much coming into it. This is not a difficult course. The way it's playing, the wind is not going to blow. It doesn't sound like really mm-hmm. maybe a shift in direction there, tomorrow afternoon. That's was that what it is? Yeah. Was there um, a sports operator that put out a over under? Score a fire a winning score. I saw it at DraftKings and it was two seventy one and a half, which basically is seventeen under and a half. If you look at okay. it the other way, I was surprised by that. I knew it was going to be a real good score. Boy, the weather better hold up with those people that took the under. Absolutely, or not hold up. The weather better get here. Yeah, that's uh, that's one that certainly looks like it's going to probably be. I mean, th- the way this course sets up. How short it is with the dry conditions, and if the wind's not blowing, this can become very easily a pitch and putt. This could be a John Deere class. Trent, I saw more eagle putts today yeah. than I have all year combined, maybe. Well, and the way the 18 set up, and again, the dryness, just the way, who was it I was watching just a little bit ago? And 
on 18. Oh, is Shuffley. Shuffley's not a long guy. Right. He had a three-wood, and he rolled it up just on the front fringe. Just rolled it up right there. Hmm. Rory. He had a 400-yard drive, according to Nick Faldo, on he, one of the, uh, not the 18th, but what, what, you know, one of his final holes. On 18, he hits two iron. Par four. Mm-hmm. Hits green. Rolls to the green. Unbelievable. With the two iron. the conditions that they're playing in here. So just something to keep in mind. If you're looking to live bet here, bet on some birdies. Bet on some eagles because there are going to be a bunch yeah, of them. Scotty Scheffler just made birdie, and he is on his way up the leaderboard. Well, it's, it's, a, it's a fun tournament. Mm-hmm. It's great that it's on when we're on. Uh, very seldom does that happen, at least, uh, well... That they're into the flow of the tournament, I guess we should put it that way. Right. All right. Um, so from the Big 12 media days yesterday, really not a lot came out. Uh, I didn't think. We, I mean, we heard from Yarmark, We heard from Bowlesby. Mm-hmm. One of the um, kind of, I think, takeaways from all of this was, and there's, been, there's no reporting that this is going to happen, but in order for perhaps the Big 12, and I'm sure that they won't be the only ones doing this, to... Maybe get that um, the the networks to write a bigger check. Apparently, there's some conversation about ten conference games, more inventory, more actual uh, games within your conference, as opposed to playing a fill in the blank Southeast Missouri State. There you go. Um, now, what that does mean, sadly, I think, and maybe it was going to go away anyway, although Barta, he hit the high notes the other day in his press conference, mm-hmm. uh, and, and it's Cyhawk. I mean, can you realistically, if you're playing you know, 10 games in, in your own conference, some of these things are going to be casualties. Right. Some of these big rivalry games out of conference aren't going to be there necessarily. Is Cyhawk... On the casualty list? I've been saying for years, I think it's on the cutting block regardless. As we've been continuing to trend this direction, and Iowa not having that flexibility in their non-conference scheduling, that it wasn't going to go away completely. Mm -hmm. But there was going to be a gap. And maybe a gap, play four, two years off. Play four, two years off. Something like that to give flexibility for both schools to do something else in the non-conference. Now with this, and we thought the Big Ten would be before the Big 12 actually doing it, but that might not be the case if it plays out. Iowa State, they still want to play Iowa every year, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. There's no doubt about it. Right. Who's their football rival? It's Iowa. Who's their conference football rival? <laughs> they don't have them. No. Kansas State, kind of. I think they want that That wants to be. I think it's right. developing. I mean, it's always been good, but there seems to be more vitriol amongst the two fan bases. But even that. You know it could be? BYU. I mean, do you remember they played basketball a few years ago? There was something nasty in that basketball game. Yeah, I don't remember what it was offhand, but yeah, what you say Somebody that. got kicked out, yeah. right? Maybe. Now, I'm not saying that that all of a sudden makes <laughs> right. it a rival. But well, yeah, yeah. If we're having to think this hard about exactly what it was, yeah. It was, there was something in that game. But that's a possibility. Maybe. But it's but, difficult but that, to manufacture. To your point, uh, I don't know. Some some people believe that West Virginia was going to be. Well, when they, they tried came to in, make it. And it didn't work. Right. I mean, you just need more. And proximity is a big part of that. How many uh, BYU people you know in your life? <laughs> no, actually, or no of. I know zero. West Virginia? I know, I'd have to think, but probably zero. 
But when you got an office. But again, I didn't grow up here. So right, you're asking but the wrong You had guy. an office, and there were Hawkeyes, and there were Cyclones yeah, in there. That's true. Weren't many Mountaineers and Cougars. No, no. Walking through the, uh, walking through the cubicles down here, didn't see a lot of that. And you make that trip. Saw and you, a lot of Hawk. You drive down to Manhattan. You drive to Lawrence. You drive to Lincoln. You, uh-huh. you make those trips, and that rivalry develops. How many people are really going to Provo? Looks like a beautiful place to go. Mm-hmm. Heard nothing but great things, mm-hmm. but at best a couple thousand. Going to be out there. It's so difficult to get a rivalry in that fashion. Yeah. There, there needs to be a lot, and it needs to build up. Nebraska still doesn't consider Iowa a rival. Still. You listen to the fan base and nope. Don't who do, who do they think their rival is? They don't have one. They're, they don't have one. They're above that. Oh, well, yeah. They, uh-huh. they don't need a rival anymore. Have, have they looked at the standings the last few years? Well, they would embrace Colorado for years and years and years. That's right. That was out there when it happened. Yeah. And it didn't matter how bad Colorado whooped their ass. Right. No, no, no. Because we win national uh-huh. championships. That's when, when I lived in Colorado those years when that was going to be the forced rival. Look, back to, back to the point about Cyhawk may have to go away. Bethlehem's going away. Right. Mike Gundy said as much yesterday. If they play, if they go to ten games, Bedlam is uh, going to be a casualty. Why don't we play school from the SEC? We don't need that. Yeah, because you want to get to six wins when you're a program early on when mm-hmm. you're building, or you want to put yourself in position for the college football playoff in the new Big Twelve. What's more likely? You make the playoff, a twelve-team playoff, at ten and two, or twelve and zero. Oh. Well, yeah, and nine and three in the past maybe would have got you in in a twelve-team format. In that new Big 12, 9-3 is not going to be good enough. No, because it's going to be a lot of Big 10, a lot of SEC. And it's unfortunate that we continue to have the simple thinking of it's all about wins. doesn't matter who those wins come about. Mm-hmm. If you got that zero by your name, you're going to be automatic. Well, how do mm-hmm. you get that zero by your name? Not just run through the conference, but then your two non-conference games are incredibly easy. I think it's going to happen, unfortunately. Mm, I hope it doesn't, Trent, because you know how I feel about this game, what the, what the week is like as far as what it means to uh, KX and what we do for a living. All right, uh, real quick, if you want to chime in, you're welcome to do so. Uh, while we do this, I want to make sure I promote this over the next uh, few days. Uh, Mediacom is partnering with the Iowa High School uh, Network to bring you live coverage of the state tournament, all of them. Every single one of them, all of the uh, quarterfinals through the championship games, uh, they're doing all the different levels. Uh, 3A and 4A will be on MC22. They're actually going to an, uh, an additional channel. MC22 Plus will carry the 1A and the 2A. So if you're a fan of... Uh, of high school baseball and Trent's not there doing the game on KXNO and you're a Mediacom subscriber. Mediacom will be all over this. 28 quarterfinals, semifinals, the championships, of course, will be on MC22. Uh, We've got a code word coming up, David. Eicholt is going to opine. Uh, but, you know, just to, just to uh, dot I's and cross T's mm-hmm. um, on, on this 10 games, apparently it was DeAndre Kane who got ejected for a flagrant foul. We had a caller, Aaron, that said he thought it was Melvin Edgem. But regardless, it was there was a cyclone. Something. There was something There that was happened. something, yes. I remember, but I don't remember it. I remember that there was an incident, and I can remember the vitriol that Cyclone fans were apoplectic. Imagine that. They thought they got screwed. What? <laughs> Trent, I'm telling you, they felt that way. Did they get a letter? And yes, and actually it's framed. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of them. There's a lot of them. Uh, but anyways, uh, to, to your point, I don't know who the rivalry is. I think, it, I think it's, if you have to pick one. Kansas State. It's Kansas State. Who would be second? Oklahoma State? They've played some good games against yeah. each other. Yeah, they have. Is it just a football question? Just football. Because mm. the Kansas-Iowa State game is pretty special. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Uh-huh. 
There isn't. There isn't. There isn't. This would leave a mark if it goes away. Well, it's time for another $1,000 home run. You can go to KXNO.com and enter this nationwide contest. Once you get there, there will be a pop-up box appear. And once you see that pop-up box, enter the keyword money. Money at KXNO.com. Money at KXNO.com. That's your chance to win $1,000. We will have uh, another keyword coming up in the 11 o'clock hour. Let's get Jake in here real quick. Jake, what's on your mind? Thanks for being patient. How are you? Are you there, Jake? I am there. Can you hear me? Loud and clear. Fire away. So DeAndre Kane got ejected for an elbow in that game. Melvin Edgem fouled out and flipped off the crowd. <laughs> Is that what it was? So, so it was a little of both. So there was, there was two different ones. And I think the yeah, K-State's the rival. Yeah. But Oklahoma State's also, I mean, every single game they play in football and basketball over the last seven yeah. years feels like it's, True. it's just always close. Yeah. And now There's with Oklahoma leaving... Respect. You know, their yep, rivalries, they're leaving the conference. So maybe, maybe, Jake, that, that's what it becomes. But I think the K-State, it's obviously you're a fan of, of Iowa State. Do, do you get the sense that, um, you know, the, the fan bases on, on uh, the week of that game, they kind of get a little, uh, you know, a little hot under the collar once each other, right? Yeah, so I've been to Manhattan for a game, and they're the nicest fans are in they? the world. But on Twitter, they are just, <laughs> they're the worst. Yeah. Like, they... I think some Iowa State fans hate K State more than Iowa, which is wow. which is crazy. Yeah, it's good actually. If that's the case, uh, Jake. Thanks for chiming in. Appreciate the clarity. Thank you very much. Absolutely, have a good one. Guys. Yep, you do the same. So uh, both right. Melvin Edgem flips off BYU students. I just watched the video of Did it. You? Yeah, I mean, it's so innocuous. He's, he's a, it's like a look away flip off. Flipping up the bird. He's not even looking at the student section. He does. He kind of turns his shoulder and, and just flips the finger up. And that was it. Leaves him with a little something. And then he had to apologize afterwards. The fine Canadian lad. Yeah, we're good at saying sorry. Yes. <laughs> we'll take a time out. David Eicholt is next. Keyword is money. Money is the keyword in the uh, 10 o'clock hour. We'll have another one in the 11. But right now, com And the keyword is money. It's Des Moines Sports Station 106.3. Now back to Miller and Condon on 106.3 KXNO. Here's Ken and Trent. All right, Miller and Condon, welcome back to Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO. For those of you who took the Tiger, Willie, or won't he make the cut prop? Mm. Hope you took won't. Four over through four. I said he'd make the cut. You were one of them. Yeah. You were one of them. You know what? invested your hard-earned money. If Rory wins, I'll be all right. Yes, indeed you will at, uh, what, just under 11 to 1. Let's get David Eicholt in here, Hawkeye Insider, of course, under the 24-7 umbrella. Hello, David. Trent and Ken, how are you, sir? Hey, good to be talking to you guys. Thanks for having me back. Uh, things are going pretty well. Just uh, getting up for Big Ten media days and, you know, hopefully what's going to be a fun football season. This summer's flown by and I, I can't wait for it. I'm with you. I'm totally with you. If it was uh, the uh, Labor Day weekend uh, was coming up, I'd be, just, uh, I'd be just happy as a clam. Anyways, I want to start with you in Las Vegas uh, because I know you were out there. Um, just kind of uh, some of the some of the highlights from your. Um, of course, you got. got a, I saw you. I bumped into Elvis, seemingly in a swimming pool. It's there's a whole lot of Elvises out in Vegas, as you well know. But you ran into the Hawkeye Elvis when you're out there. What were some of the highlights of your uh, of your Vegas trip? I mean, first of all, it has to be the Keegan Murray 
crazy game, right? One of the best summer league games I think I've ever seen when he had the three-pointer with under a second left. I mean, I couldn't have had a better seat for that. But, you know, I think the reality is right now Keegan Murray is putting on a show, and, you know, I think if they were 2-1, and one, he might be the uh, uh, favorite to win summer league MVP because right now he's doing exactly what I think I expected him to do. I think what many Iowa fans expected him to do, and he's thoroughly outdueled a lot of the other top five picks. I think Paulo Boncaro for the Magic has certainly played really well. And, you know, obviously Keegan had another good game against him. But, man, it's been a – you know, I, I think Vegas is very interesting. I love the summer league. I, I've always told people I highly recommend going out there. You're never really bored in Vegas. Unless you're broke, then you might right. be a little bit bored in Vegas. But Vegas is a good time. Uh, but the NBA Summer League is really good. There's a lot of celebrities watching. There's a lot of good insight. Uh, obviously, I got a chance to talk to a lot of scouts and to do several things like that. That's always a highlight. So, no, it's just a really well-run event. The weather's beautiful. And, uh, you know, it was definitely good to uh, to get out there for a few days. Where did you stay? So I stayed at the Flamingo, and I also stayed at the MGM. I kind of bounced around back and forth, but I definitely stayed on the Strip. So just one on the on the Flamingo, because I hear that that one might be next uh, to be, you know, maybe gutted. I know oh, really? that there's been a lot of those rumors. I stayed there a bunch over the years. I, I mean, the, the location on the Strip, you couldn't ask for anything better, right? You're right across mm-hmm. the street from Caesars. You look out to the left, yep. there's the Bellagio Fountains. Uh, does, does, the, does the Flamingo... Um, I mean, it needs more Nakota paint, right? Yeah. Is it starting to show its age? I think so. I think the, the, the casino floor certainly needs to be redone. I think the pool and everything is very, very well done. And like you said, you couldn't have asked, you couldn't ask for a better spot on the strip, but I certainly think they need to pour several million dollars mm-hmm. into sort of uh, renovating because as crazy as it sounds, Vegas doesn't change, but it does change. I mean, upgrades are always going all yep. over the place. I try to get out there at least once a year. And even from a year ago, it certainly looks a lot different uh, to me, at least from the renovation side of things. So you got to keep pouring those millions and billions that yep. they win and the casino winning to uh, just to keep upgrading it, to keep people coming back. Saw you stop by to see our friends at Circa. Take any money out of Derek Stevens' pocket. You were, what, Derek, a day or two before Luca Garza and the rest of the uh, former Hawkeye crew? Yeah, yeah, about a day or two before. I've never seen Circa Sportsbook before, so that was certainly a sight. I don't think I wanted to leave the entire day. Uh-huh. That was a, a sight to behold. I, I didn't do too poorly in Vegas, so I'll Good. take that as the win. Yes, absolutely. Speaking of Luca Garza, hasn't played a ton for Portland here in the Summer League team. I continue to hear might be getting even a, a two-way contract might be difficult at this time. What are you hearing on the Luka Garza front, his chance to to find an opportunity in the NBA? You know, I think that's the tough part for a lot of big guys, especially after getting cut from the first team or not being picked up for a team option. I mean, the summer league is very much like the NBA combine. I think mm-hmm. I remember when we were talking about, you know, Chris Murray deciding not to go to the NBA combine. It's because it's the guard show. They chuck up a bunch of shots. I'd look at, I think, last night, Javante Smart from the Miami Heat had 18 shots in the first 21 minutes of the game. I mean, they don't pass the ball to bigs. I don't think Luka's necessarily played poorly. I know he didn't play in the second game, but that was that was anticipated. I know some people are really worried about that, but there were conversations behind the scenes that Luka would not be playing in that game, and that just came into fruition. But I think Luka's held his own defensively. I think he's been open a lot of pick and rolls, but the guards are looking to you know make a show out of themselves to try to land that contract. But I do think a two-way contract could be a little bit difficult at this point, but I also think Luka 
is well known enough in the league, and he's shown some flashes of what he can do. So I think he can get training camp invite depending on the team. I think that he has a shot making the roster, but it's certainly going to be an interesting uh, couple months for Luca and where he goes from here. I mean, I've always said I won't bet against Luca. I mean, the way he's even transformed his body in this offseason. I think it's going to thoroughly depend on how well he can guard the pick and roll and if he can make those three-pointers on those pick-and-pop situations, if he can find a role on a team. Uh, have you heard of the – are there any feelers uh, coming from Europe, do you know? I mean, I'm sure that, you know, if it doesn't work out here, uh, that he'll have those opportunities. Is he hearing from some of the European clubs? I can't confirm that, but I also am not going to be surprised. I think when people look at the NBA Summer League, everybody's obviously thinking about making the NBA, but there's scouts from all over the world that stay for the entire Summer League. I mean, you got Lithuania, you have Spain, you have uh, – you know, Russia, you have, I mean, every other league in the world is going to be there. So I, it will not surprise me. I think Luca, we've always said this, if Luca doesn't have a role in the NBA, I still think he does have a role in the NBA. But if he does go overseas, I think he can easily be a top five, top ten player, if not better, overseas. His game is so perfectly suited for that. I don't think he'd be very guardable in some of those other leagues. But it is a whole different style of play in those international leagues, a lot lower scoring. But I think Luca would find a way to, to dominate, but I do think that at the end of the day, just you know, talking to people around his camp, Luca's entire focus is on the NBA. If something doesn't pan out, then I think he, he'll explore other options, obviously. David Eichel joining us, HawkeyeInsider.com. David, to football and what you heard the other day, I know, had the wisdom teeth out. I don't know, was it you or Bach that went over there for the interviews? Because you're walking wounded the other day. Uh, what would you find out, though, from hearing from the Hawkeye football players? Yeah, no, I, I think it was definitely a worthwhile interview. I had some people, you know, definitely came up big in assisting me and trying to get some of that coverage out. But I think Spencer Petrus is incredibly confident. I think, you know, he's come under scrutiny, obviously, for his past couple of years, despite winning a lot of games. We've seen how the offense has looked. But I think he's very excited about where this offense is going to go. I think the chemistry between him and Brian Ferentz certainly sounds like it's making a lot of progress. I think Arlen Bruce is very excited about the potential of the offense. And I think that, you know, this team exudes confidence, and I think that right now they're looking, you know, I don't want to say a revenge tour because they had a 10-win season, but they are not satisfied <laughs> whatsoever about how they ended things last year. And, it's you know, it's kind of hard not to be. I mean, they rose mm-hmm. number two after six weeks, losing to Purdue, and really what wasn't a close game. And Purdue at this point, I think, is becoming more than a thorn in Iowa's side, not even just on the football field, but on the recruiting trail as well. So I think that's going to be one of the most highly anticipated Iowa games of this season, quite frankly. And I think that while there's not going to be a lot of outspoken animosity, you're going to have a hard time convincing me that uh, Phil Parker and Kirk Ferentz aren't going to really have a little bit of extra motivation for the Boilermakers this year. But, you know, I, I think Iowa right now, Riley Moss seems to be incredibly confident in the defense. I don't see why they wouldn't be. I think the defensive line, especially Lucas Van Ness, I think is going to be in for a breakout season. So I think there's a lot of excitement, a lot of optimism. I know, right, breaking story, a football team optimistic in the hmm. summertime. But I do think that, uh, that there's a lot, of, a lot of quiet confidence about where this offense could go. And I think when you look at the depth chart, it's going to come down to Brian Ferentz and Iowa's ability to, uh, just, to, to just execute and simplify things. You know, but back to Spencer Petrus for a second, because this time last year I bought a lot of stock in Spencer Petrus, and it's um, it's nowhere. I mean, it's lost a lot of value, but I'm holding on to it. 
I, again, I, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's wishful thinking because I look at this defense and oh my gosh, I mean, I, th- there's a chance they're actually better than last year, which is scary to think. Um, yep. I, I like the running game. They, yes, they lose an All-American center in Tyler Linderbaugh, but the offensive line, it's not a liability. They got a really good tight end, clearly. Uh, Pat, uh, the receivers are fine. Uh, can the quarterback's confidence allow him to, you know, instead of maybe clutching that ball for for an extra second, waiting for that perfect window to open, maybe, you know, throwing it to where he thinks it's going to come open or, or just doing what he needs to do to elevate his play? I think he can. Am I crazy? I don't think you're crazy. I think that, you know, at the end of the day, we can always speak about, where we see Petrus going. But at the end of the day, it's going to be all about the production on the field on Saturday. And I've said, I don't think Spencer Petrus' arm talent is going to hold him back. I think he has a talented arm. We saw the clip about him throwing a 70-plus yard bomb in the Manning Passing Academy downfield, perfectly thrown. I think when Petrus gets the time, does not rush his mechanics, and really just you know, just falls and trusts his, and trusts his arm and goes through his mechanics. I think he can make some really good throws down the field. I think that Iowa's offensive line last year did no favors for him, and I think that that played a big part in it. But I mean, obviously, if Iowa throws two passing touchdowns in a span of five weeks, that's unacceptable on every level, especially yeah. in modern day college football. You're not going to win games like that. But at the same time, if Iowa's offensive line can hold up, I think another big thing that maybe we haven't talked about enough is. How can Iowa's running backs pick up the blitzes? Because obviously Tyler Goodson was dynamic in open space, but let's not beat around the bush here. Mm-hmm. He really did struggle picking up some of those blitz blocks, and that's what Kirk Ferentz and a lot of other people have criticized Tyler for during his career. Can Gavin Williams and LaShawn Williams pick up on that and give Petrus that extra half second to stay true to his mechanics, not throw off his back foot? And I think the other big question is, how is Iowa's receiver depth? Obviously, they're very, I think they're really um, high end with, with Arlen Bruce and Keegan Johnson. I have all the expectations in the world for Keegan Johnson. If he can clean up some of his drops, I think he could be absolutely dynamic this year. Can Nico Regani have a big comeback season? Uh, and who's going to step up in replacement of Charlie Jones? I think right now, depth's the biggest question. I think their, their top guys are going to be good. We'll see if Brody Brecht can maybe get into that rotation. Then they have Sam Laporta. So, if Peaches can stick true to his mechanics and if Iowa's running backs can pick up the blitzes and Iowa's offensive line collectively gives him more time, it's going to come down to Iowa's receivers getting open and Petrus's arm talent carrying the way. So I don't have the highest spec- – you know, I'm not going to have groundbreaking expectations for him, but I certainly think given the personnel, th- there has to be a step forward. They cannot be the 121st-ranked offense and win 10 games. So I think if they do that, they're going to struggle to win six or seven because – especially with all the questions in the kicking game right now. Uh, it's it's going to be definitely interesting. So we know we got the Williams back at the running back spot after what we saw in the bowl game. Feel good there. Mm-hmm. Who's the third running back? Who are you putting your money on right now? Two freshmen coming in. So we've got Hilson there from Des Moines North. Who becomes the third running back out of this group after Gavin and LaShawn Williams? Man, that's a, that's a big question. I think right now, just based off pure physicality, guys. I mean, Caleb Johnson looks like a senior. <laughs> He's got to be one of the most physically impressive running backs Iowa's gotten in, in, in recent years. I mean, that dude at six foot two looks like a solid 215, 220. I mean, I don't want to say Derrick Henry because obviously we've seen how much of a freak he is, and I'm not putting that expectations. But just from a physicality standpoint, he is built different than I, th- I can remember any running back in Iowa's 
being in quite some time. Maybe, what, Marcus Coker was probably the last huge, huge guy, but I don't even know if he had the height that Caleb Johnson has. But that is the guy that is physically ready to compete in the Big Ten. I think if he can pick up the zone running scheme, I think he could be a big red zone guy. Uh, I'm going to throw my money on him, but Jazion Patterson, I think, is a little bit undervalued, too, because people are fawning over Caleb Johnson, and rightfully so. So I think it's going to be an open competition right now, but I've always said if there's if there's going to be a young guy that can break through that rank back room, Caleb Johnson from a physicality standpoint, I think you talk about a perfect scheme to player, you know, just match. I think Caleb Johnson is a perfect fit for what Iowa system is, and I think that he's just going to be able to shed off those wimpy tacklers, break through the middle of the line, and I think right now, after the past few years, Iowa needs the guy that can run in between the tackles and, and pick up those hard-to-earn extra yards. I think last year we really saw the value that Makai Sargent brought throughout his career. Uh, wasn't the biggest game-breaker, but, man, he was consistent in the trenches. I want to fast-forward to November uh, with, with you, David, if you, if you would. Uh, when uh, the, the schedule says Purdue, home to Wisconsin, uh, at Minnesota, Nebraska, um, <laughs> That, those, that's four pretty salty spots, right? Would, do you think the fan base would sign for three and one at this point? I think you almost have to, right? No question. I think it's going to depend on who the loss is to, though, because you look at those four teams, I mean, who would people least want to lose to? I mean, I'd argue Purdue at this point, <laughs> especially after all they've done, the recruiting trail mm-hmm. taking Charlie Jones and what they've done to Iowa in recent years. Can Iowa stomach losing Nebraska? I don't think so. Can they stomach losing Minnesota? I don't think so. Maybe Wisconsin, but then the question is going to be Iowa fans are going to say, I'm just so tired of losing to Wisconsin. We need to, you know, Iowa needs to get over that hump. So I think they have to, I think they, if they could finish off three and one, I think that'd be a very successful year because having those four straight games and none of them are going to be easy. I expect Nebraska to be better. I do but too. it's also going to come down to what's Nebraska's confidence level going to be like at that point in the season. We saw what happened to them last year, you know, after losing so many close games, right? that uh, they just really folded down the stretch even when they were still beating Iowa. Scott Frost basically made defeat after the game, after Iowa blocked, punted, uh, and returned it for a touchdown. So I think 3-1 and one at that point would be very, very good for Iowa. Is that going to be enough to win the Big Ten West? I don't know. Nebraska schedules week. Minnesota's looking to come back strong, and Wisconsin's going to be Wisconsin. It's really going to be a very – and Purdue even, I think, has a shot winning the Big Ten West if their defense can – can really stack up, so it's going to be a it's going to be a tough Big Ten West. Now, can any of them upset Ohio State? I'm not going that far. I'm with you, David Eichel, 24/7 Sports Hawkeye Insider. David, thank you. I appreciate you coming on. We'll talk to you in a couple of weeks. Thank you, David. Hey, thanks, guys. Take care. Yep, appreciate it, uh, David Eichel. So the bye comes on the 15th of October. After the bye, they've got uh, they go to Columbus. Then Northwestern, then the four we talked about at Purdue, home to Wisconsin, at Minnesota, home to Nebraska. Not confident. It's tough, isn't it? As easily as you can say, they continue the domination against the rivals, and they go ten and two, nine and three. A couple of those games flip, mm-hmm. and you're staring the barrel of a six and six season. You are, and the natives are restless, yes, and the offense are. doesn't take a step forward. And now you got a coach under fire in Kirk Ferentz in year twenty three, and his kids who see, and that's the biggest component. Absolutely, because. Do you envision? Let's say that happens. No, I don't. To answer your question, I know where you're going. He won't. Six and six offense stinks again, mm-hmm. and there's nothing that would be done. There is not another unless he does it himself. Absolutely.
Unless Brian takes Which himself out of the equation. I could see happening. I could too. With Brian's personality. Mm-hmm. Because he understands too yeah, how difficult sure. it has to be on his father. And the negativity that would build. <sighs> but you're right. He's not going to fire his son. Nope. I don't think he would. I, I think that Brian would do, 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 do it for him. Boy, mm-hmm. oh boy, oh boy, Trent. Ohio State, Northwestern. And we've seen those games yes. in the past, right? Purdue, Wisconsin, Minnesota, and Nebraska. What a finish. What a finish. We haven't talked about well, before that, the Michigan game. Wheels fall off, lose four in a row. Huh. How, how about five or six? It's a bowl game. No, I'm not going there. Petrus this is too de- good. This defense is too good. I agree. Petrus is not too good. I know. I just thought I'd sneak that one by you. <laughs> not not happening. Uh, 10.50. Again, the keyword in the first hour of the program was money, money at kxno.com. Come back, finish up hour number one. We are not going to get Chris Williams today. The um, Cyclone players and head coach are a little late arriving. Push back the schedule a little bit. So we will... Uh, Dave Sproul will pinch it for us. About, we'll get Chris tomorrow. He'll recap uh, the Big 12 Media Days. Uh, we're on Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3. And iHeartMedia. Welcome back to Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO. Uh, these guys that had early tea times this morning have really taken advantage of that. The course is changing over at St. Andrews. Uh, very difficult to score uh, for some of the guys that got later tea times during the day. Tiger's really having a struggle. Do you want to see him play like this? Do yeah. Do you want to be a novelty act? I still do. Do you? I just like to Not see him sure out there. I'm sure I do. No. I still enjoy it. I still I don't want to be him. David Duvall. No, because he's not. He's too important to the game. David Duvall. No, David Duvall's you know, yeah. not comparing the two, uh, what they're, they're meaning to the game. But I don't want him to go out there. I don't know. I just like watching him. I like to see the mannerisms and when he hits a shot and see the fist pump. And, and every and see now the and then he gives you a little bit to cheer for right. or turns the clock back a little bit. That's what I'm looking mm-hmm. for. That's I still want to see Tiger, even in this diminished. Do you think he'll continue to play knowing how proud he is? Yeah. You think he will? He battled to come back here. He did. Almost losing a leg. Yep. Almost dying. Yep. He battled just to get to this point. And many people believed this was actually going to be his first tournament, was this one here. There are people inside his circle that say, more than anything, yeah, the Masters was great. What he was pointing to was the 150th Mm -hmm. Open Championship and being played. At the old course. I, I saw so many uh, pictures of him with Jack and some just sharing mm-hmm. some of those amongst the greats that have played and played at that course. And then you brought up yesterday there was some buzz that this might be it there. for him. I, uh, I heard it again yesterday in another uh, did you? golf podcast. That it just, nobody I think, nobody is going on record and saying it's going to happen. Right. I just wonder when his pride, if his pride will allow him to continue and, and because he, he was never going to play unless he could win, right? That was yes, always, yeah. if I can't win, I'm not going to play. He can't win. Right. The way now. physically, the way he physically. is right now. But he can still compete. He can still grind. And maybe, just maybe. But he's grinding for two days. Made it four. At the at, Masters. At the he Masters. Did. Yeah, he did. He made the cut. Yeah. Grinded that out. And because of that, I think we're going to still see plenty of Tiger mm. at the majors, a couple I other hope, tournaments. I mean, obviously, I hope you're right. Six, seven, eight times a year, and I'm good with that. Mm-hmm. It just it brings back those warm fuzzies. Oh, Trent, so many memories, right? Ah. So many incredible memories of this guy's career. 
Uh, just amazing what How he much did. money did Nike make on that ball oh. hanging on the lip before oh. falling in on the chip? Unbelievable. Vern Lundquist in the tower. Yeah. Have you seen Vern Lundquist lately? I media? haven't. No. Oh, it's, it's be... Everybody gets old, right? Yeah. And he's... He's old. He's up there. Uh, indeed, he is. All right, hour number two. We're going to have Dave Sproul pinch it. We'll get Chris in Dave's spot tomorrow. Uh, pick his brain on what he's hearing. Matt Campbell's going to speak at 11.35, so uh, that will precede. We are going to do some NFL today with one of the locals, Nick Athen. Catch up with the Chiefs. By the way, if you're a Chiefs fan, uh, the daily training camp reports start, I believe it's August the 1st, with our friend Mitch Holtis. He will join us uh, at 10.50 every single day through training camp. I love those hits with Mitch, and then weekly during the season. Miller and Condon, hour two is next on Des Moines Sports.